Return to God with all your heart, the source of grace and mercy. Come seek the tender faithfulness of God. The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. So in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice from heaven, you are my son, the beloved with you, I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom has come near. Repent and believe the good news, the gospel of the Lord. Praise you, o Christ. Please be seated. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the gospel writer of Mark in the beginning of the gospel loves to use the word immediately and there is no exception in our gospel passage today. If you, if you read it, sometimes in the passage the Greek, the Greek word for immediately is euthos and sometimes they change it. Instead of using the word immediately, they might say suddenly or all of a sudden, quickly. Um, but the meaning is the same in the gospel of Mark. Um, and, and we've got that right here. Jesus is driven out immediately after his baptism into the wilderness. It's interesting that it is the same spirit that just gave this amazing, profound blessing. This is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. And then he is immediately driven out, drives Jesus out into the wilderness, God's spirit. Because the wilderness experience happens immediately after Jesus' baptism, it seems to me that the point is that it is baptism that guides us through the challenges and struggles of our journey through life. That reminding when today, just earlier in the service with the, with the children, that remember your baptism. Um, Jesus' identity as God's child was essentially helping Jesus through the temptations and the struggles in the wilderness. It is my experience as well. Knowing that I am a beloved child of God, it changes everything. As I think of so many who have come to the end of their life, they may not actually say, I am just glad I was baptized, but I can see a baptized life well lived. A pastor shared a story about a woman who came up to him one day as he was getting closer to retirement and said, do you remember a baptism that you had about 30 years ago? where I know the parents simply said, well, we're doing this because our parents want us to get this done, so we want to get it over with. So can we get that baptism done? When can we, when can we get it done? That was the way they worded it. And um, 
And so the, the woman who came said, you may remember that 30 years ago. Um, and then she goes, I just want to say thank you. Because I know some places that would have said, no, we are not going to do the baptism. Um, and, and, and I'm grateful that you were not one of those kinds of pastors um, and that you had that baptism anyway. Um, and because I was that child. She said again, thank you for not being like that and doing the baptism instead. Um, and, um, and she said, I have clung on to that promise that God loves me and sees me as a beloved child the way I am. And that has shaped my life for the good even when others may be unloving. I know that God is loving even with the struggles in my life. And I think I see God's loving nature even more sometimes in my struggles. It may be true that we do some of our greatest maturing through the struggles of life. But it is not that we seek having troubles in our lives. I rarely volunteer to go into those wilderness places. We don't often look for opportunities to struggle in life, which is probably why Mark reports that the Spirit drove Jesus rather than simply made a suggestion to Jesus, but drove him out into the wilderness. And that same, and the same is true with our periods of trial, temptation, and struggle. We don't choose these things, but they do happen. Even when the challenges in front of us are of our own making, let alone those who put upon us by others or those that are simply come our way because of life lived. I'm convinced that God is not trying to cause misery and suffering and struggle. But by being in this world, God knows that it is a part of life and doesn't really take us out of those difficult places, but helps us to walk through them and to face them. I wonder if in the context of our baptism, we can look at the struggles and trials and sufferings we deal with as not being something that God wishes upon us, but that God might just be at work through those difficult periods and through it might make us a better person, better people to help others. I wonder about this because it is the same spirit that descended upon Jesus at baptism that also drove Jesus out into the wilderness and also accompanied him during that time and brought him back again. Pastor, professor, author David Lowe's writes, God is, after all, in the business of taking that which seems only to cause death and somehow wring from it resurrection life. And that's not a bad thing to remember at the beginning of our Lenten season. <clears throat> Here is a story. I shared it on Easter about 10 years ago. You may remember it. If you do, great. It's worth hearing again. 
Um, it emphasizes God's resurrection and baptismal power at work in the midst of suffering and struggle. I think it was about 12 years ago in Iowa, there was a drive-by shooting on a Sunday morning and a young woman who had been gathering more and more, who had been getting more and more involved in her church was walking to church on an Easter Sunday morning and was shot and killed by a drive-by shooting. The grieving for them was absolutely intense. Um, there were sirens and ambulances, cars, police, all over the place. Jen Stanbrook, one of Ashley's, the one who had died, Ashley's best friends, talked to the pastor Oh, a number of times, but this particular time, it was maybe quite a few months later, and the struggle she was still having. He asked her if she would be willing to write down some of the thoughts she had had and send them to him, and then they could talk again. He said after he read what she wrote, he asked her if he, if he could share it in a sermon that following Easter Sunday. And it, and, and it was what I shared 10 years ago and what I'd like to share again today. Does our baptism and growing in faith and the resurrection make a difference in our life, especially in the midst of struggle? And Jen Stanbrook writes, <clears throat> when Ashley was murdered, my initial reaction was shock, unbelief, and denial. In the days, weeks, and months after, as the shock wore off and we were faced with dealing with this new horrible reality, I started to see that at its root, just felt like pure evil, and now I was a part of this new reality. I know Ashley was to, to know Ashley was to love her, and that means the wounds of the loss of someone like Ashley are indeed deep. The pain is intense and still a tense a year later. We often say we want answers. We are desperate for answers. I've struggled with why God has not provided us with those answers. Why has, not, why has God not done that and brought justice to this case and healed the pain? But over time, and especially recently, I realized that whoever did this to Ashley, while that would bring some comfort, it would not bring complete, complete healing or complete understanding. You see, with all due respect, that's the problem. We want justice to be done, and justice, no doubt, will help. Justice will help a lot of people in a lot of ways, but even the greatest justice for the murder of Ashley Oakland is not going to bring her back. It's not going to make things the way they were a year ago today. And so even the best justice, even the best justice this world can bring doesn't make it all right. We need something more. And Jen puts it this way. She says, justice is not an end. God is the only one who can offer us complete healing and comfort. He is the only one that can bring complete answers. Answers not only regarding what happened to Ashley, but to so many other things in life. We live in a world that tells us to question everything. 
We expect, we almost demand answers at our fingertips instantly. The important answers, though, will not be revealed to us, all of them, on this side of heaven. Perhaps that's where faith comes in. What difference does Easter make for me as I mourn the death of my friend, Ashley, could say as she lives in Lent. And then Jen writes in big, bold, capital letters, the only place in the whole message, she writes everything, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, explanation mark. The resurrection makes all of the difference in the world. It means everything. It means pure, raw evil does not win in the end. It means Satan does not win. It means Ashley's killer does not win. It means even though this person took Ashley's earthly life, Jesus took death through his resurrection and gave Ashley eternal life. Everlasting life in a kingdom that's free of evil, injustice, and pain. Jesus will provide us with all the answers that we need. Death is real, but so is the resurrection. So is the life that God brings. The Apostle Paul put it this way. In just the most direct and honest, beautiful way, he says, faith is like the glue that joins us to Jesus Christ. In baptism, we are united by Jesus in a death like his, and we will most certainly be united in a resurrection like his. Amen.